Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Houston, Texas. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Around 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, August 22, 2020, Houston police got a frantic 911 call from 20-year-old Sahara Irvin. She told police that she'd taken her two-year-old daughter Malia to the park in the courtyard of her apartment complex earlier that morning. It was a little park in the center of four large apartment buildings beside a fenced-in pool that was probably pretty nice at one point but had clearly seen better days. While Malia was playing, Sahara says she walked inside her first floor apartment just for a moment to make some breakfast for her boyfriend, Travion. But when she came back out, Malia was gone. Immediately, this call turned into a no-holds-barred, all-hands-on-deck search for the missing two-year-old. The police department was out, Texas EquiSearch came in, residents of the apartment complex were out and ready, and this community wasn't going to stop until they found her. I mean, she couldn't have gone far, right? And there were apartments all around. Certainly no one took her without anyone noticing, and a two-year-old wasn't going to get very far on foot in that short period of time. You couldn't spin around without hearing someone calling out her name or seeing residents knocking on strangers' doors to see if maybe Malia was with them. The media jumped on the search for Malia immediately, and by that afternoon, ABC 13 was speaking with Sahara's boyfriend's mom. She told the outlet that Sahara and Travion had called her that morning to tell her Malia was missing. Travion's mom cried throughout the interview, saying that the police didn't care and that they weren't doing everything they could to find her baby, which was interesting. We've certainly seen subpar searches before, but this wasn't one of them. According to KPRC and KHOU, officers were out on foot, search teams were riding around on ATVs, a helicopter was flying above, and scent-tracking canines were out trying to track Malia's scent. They even drained that murky pool on the off chance she got over the fence and fell in. This department wasn't holding anything back. Hell, they had Texas EquiSearch out there from the get. Travion's mom continued her pleas to the public by telling the Houston Chronicle that when Malia went missing, she was wearing blue shoes, and I quote, I think her dad said a polka dot shirt. But Travion wasn't Malia's dad. Malia's dad lived three and a half hours away in Dallas. Travion had just recently started dating Malia's mom back in April, and in just four months, he and his mother were referring to Travion as Malia's father. Her interview with the Houston Chronicle went on, and it was mentioned that Malia was carrying a pillowcase full of letter blocks. This struck a lot of people as odd. Sure, it's something to keep an eye out for, but she was on the playground. Why would she be carrying a pillowcase full of blocks with her? And why was it a pillowcase? According to the outlet, Travion had recently broken Malia's toy box. Okay, but then Travion himself noted that because of this, Malia was upset with him. His solution was to give her a pillowcase to put her toys in. That's a whole lot of random information and unnecessary explanation for day one of a search for a missing child. We see husbands, wives, girlfriends, whatever, talking about how their significant other was upset with them. But a two-year-old? 
Two-year-olds get upset when their goldfish don't smile back. The whole thing just seemed weird. They were talking about a pillowcase, blocks, a broken toy box, and a two-year-old who was upset in the middle of a full-blown search for her instead of, you know, searching for her. Right off the bat, Sahara, Travion, and Travion's mom seemed to be set on the idea that Malia had been abducted. The theory that maybe she had just wandered off didn't seem to have been entertained at all. Their story was pointed towards kidnapping from the very beginning, even though no one had actually seen her get abducted, and there wasn't any evidence that had happened either. By the end of the day, regardless of every resource possibly available, all searches for Malia came up empty. Malia's mom said she was only away for a matter of minutes before her daughter disappeared, but there wasn't a single sign of her anywhere, not even that pillowcase full of blocks. There was nothing. The community had grown so attached to the sweet little girl in just a few short hours, and they were feeling more than defeated at this point. And that feeling was only going to get worse. By that night, a spokesperson from the Houston Police Department released a statement to the Houston Chronicle. They had reviewed all surveillance footage in the area and didn't find a single shred of evidence that Malia ever left that apartment complex. So if she didn't leave, where was she? Because all of those apartments had been checked. To boot, no witnesses from any of the apartments in the four buildings surrounding the playground were coming forward to say that they even saw Malia that day. So was she ever at the playground? If she was, those scent-tracking canines should have picked up on her scent. But it doesn't seem like that happened. At this point, all the side-eye is pointed in Sahara and Travion's direction. Their story just wasn't adding up, and everyone was starting to notice that they weren't making any desperate pleas to the public. In fact, they hadn't even participated in the search for Malia. A neighbor told Fox 26 that from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., Sahara just sat on her front steps saying, My baby is gone. My baby is dead. Dead? Who said Malia was dead? Sahara and Travion were both taken down to the station for questioning, and their story started to stink. According to KHOU, Sahara said when Malia went missing, she was alone inside the apartment with Travion, who was sleeping. However, Travion said he was inside playing video games and sweeping. First of all, which is it? Second of all, unless there's a new Wii game I don't know about, how does one play video games and sweep at the same time? Regardless of their mismatched accounts of who was where and doing what, the two were eventually released without charges, and police weren't any closer to finding Malia. But they weren't about to give up trying. No Amber Alert was issued on the 22nd, and frankly, that upset a lot of people. But Amber Alerts are generally only used for clear abductions. And regardless of what Sahara and Travion were saying, this wasn't a clear abduction. However, with the police feeling like wherever Malia was, she was in grave or immediate danger, they did eventually send one out in the early morning hours of the 23rd. And it wasn't like most Amber Alerts. It didn't include a suspect. It didn't give a description of a vehicle. Just the last place she was reported to have been seen at 9.30 a.m. the previous morning and a description. 
A two-year-old black female with brown eyes and black hair wearing a multicolored top and shorts with a pink bow on her head. She was described as three feet tall and 38 to 40 pounds. Malia was stunningly beautiful. She had the sweetest little face and the cutest smile and definitely didn't look like she was 38 to 40 pounds. The average weight for a two-year-old girl is 26 and a half pounds, according to kidshealth.org. 38 to 40 pounds would be the size of an average four-year-old. Malia was an average-sized two-year-old girl, if not a little on the small side. It's almost as if whoever supplied this weight description was guessing. But what do I know? The search for Malia continued into the 23rd, but by this time, not only were the stories not matching up, the timeline was starting to get fuzzy. Sahara had told police the last time she'd seen Malia was around 9.30 a.m. the previous morning. But in the comments of an article about the search on Facebook, a woman said that she'd started searching at 9 a.m. Okay, so that's not a huge difference, but then enters a neighbor at the apartment complex who told Micah Hatfield of ABC 13 that they were out searching for her as early as 8 a.m. In most cases, an hour or so of a time discrepancy isn't a huge deal, but when it comes down to a missing child who supposedly vanished within minutes, an hour and a half is pretty significant. Is everyone else just mistaken about when they started searching for Malia, or is something else going on here? Not long after the second day's search began, it was over. Around 10.30 a.m., ABC 13 reports that a woman jogging in the 5200 block of Carlton Street, 19 miles away, saw what she thought might be a small body floating in the water of Bray's Bayou. The woman wasn't sure if what she was seeing was in fact a body. The jogging path was a little ways off the banks, so she called her husband to come take a look. Her husband came down and confirmed that what she was seeing was definitely a body in the water, so he called 911. Police rushed to the scene, and the jogger was right. Police had no doubt that this was the body of missing Malia Bass. It would have to be confirmed by the medical examiner, but they were pretty confident. Bray's Bayou essentially looks like a small river. The flow rate is pretty low, but it still flows, just not at the pace of a regular river. And it runs all the way back to just one mile from the apartment complex Malia went missing from. Sahara and Travion were brought to the scene, and in a video by ABC 13, you can see Sahara drop to the ground, sobbing. Meanwhile, Travion was beyond the yellow police tape, standing with an officer looking over something that was just out of view of the cameras. While all of this was happening, you see a woman come up to where the crime scene tape is and start yelling. She repeatedly asked what was going on and quickly turned her attention to Travion. She yelled at him over and over, asking where Malia was. She got more and more upset the longer she was there. Travion responded by standing up, walking towards her, coming out from behind the police tape, and then running past Sahara, who was still on the ground, and running up the hill behind her out of the camera view. 
Whoever this woman was, she had several questions and she didn't seem happy with Travion who had no interest in consoling his girlfriend whose daughter's body had just been pulled from the bayou. Shortly after the body presumed to be Malia's was recovered, the Houston Police Department held a press conference. They announced that they would now be treating Malia's case as a murder investigation and that they did believe foul play was involved. They said Texas EquiSearch would be helping to locate any evidence along the bayou and around the apartment complex, and they asked that anyone in the area with security cameras, specifying ring cameras, home security cameras, and cameras on businesses, to please go back 24 to 36 hours to see if they caught anything suspicious or anything at all. The area they want the footage from? Along the bayou and upstream. Upstream would lead right back to that apartment complex. One thing that really stuck out to a lot of people was the time frame detectives wanted the footage from. Malia had been reported missing around 9.30 a.m. on the 22nd. Her body was found at 10.30 a.m. on the 23rd. That's 25 hours. But police were asking for footage as far back as 36 hours. It was becoming more and more clear that police weren't buying Sahara and Travion's story about how and when Malia went missing. That afternoon, Sahara and Travion seemed to break their silence in a big way. Travion told Trisha Walker of KPRC that he didn't like how people were bashing him and his girlfriend like, we did something, saying, that's my baby, which again, Malia wasn't. Dude had met her a whole four months ago. He then went on a rant about how he taught Malia her one, two, threes and ABCs, which is either a solid accomplishment for a two-year-old in four months or complete bullshit. He continued on and said that she was smart and growing up to be something. Then, for whatever reason, once again, he did the whole give a bunch of wacky ass information, saying that he'd recently been teaching Malia the way home. Like, okay, we're here. Where do we turn to get back home? Which seemed like a really odd thing to be teaching a two-year-old. According to kidshealth.org, the average two-year-old knows roughly 50 words and can put together two-word sentences. But this guy, for whatever reason, wants the world to know that he was essentially giving her a whole-ass course in local geography. Travion's summary of events was that he was playing video games while Sahara took Malia to the park, and that he called Sahara inside to make him some food around 9 a.m. I can only assume that both of his arms and legs were broken if he was calling her in from watching her two-year-old to make him some food, but the fact checker determined that none of his appendages were broken at the time. If Travion called Sahara at 9 a.m. to come inside, there would be record of that phone call, right? And if she came in at 9 a.m. and Malia went missing within five minutes or in the blink of an eye, whichever story you want to bank on, she couldn't have last seen Malia at 9.30 a.m., could she? This shouldn't be so complicated. If you were at the park, got a phone call at 9 a.m., went inside, and within minutes she was gone and you called 911, there should be two timestamps making this timeline pretty concrete. So again, why is this so complicated? 
After telling his version of events, Travion went off on a tangent about the rent lady who he says had a sting on her for sex trafficking. He claimed she was let out the same day Malia went missing, which is a fair concern. I don't know anything about this elusive rent lady, but there were quite a few sex offenders in the area. But his angst about the rent lady quickly turned into frustration with the Houston Police Department, claiming a canine passed out and their helicopter ran out of gas and that they should have had all of this together. He must have forgotten about the draining of the pool, the ATVs, and Texas EquiSearch. The entire time Travion was being interviewed, he was extremely animated. He was yelling, his body language was all over the place, and he was putting a solid effort into making it sound like he was crying, but his lack of actual tears didn't go unnoticed. That same afternoon, Fox 26 was able to get an interview with Sahara, who said they'd found Malia floating on an orange float. That was the first and only time that orange float was ever mentioned. Her advice to parents was to not leave your kids unattended and to lock your doors. Okay. On August 24th, Sahara and Travion were allowed back to their apartment, but they weren't exactly welcomed with open arms. Frankly, in a video from ABC 13, neighbors had to be held back from attacking the SUV they were in as it rolled into the apartment complex. Reporter Micah Hatfield from the station interviewed one of the neighbors who was less than thrilled with the couple. Coincidentally, this neighbor dropped a house on Sahara's story. You see, their window, the one Sahara claimed to have been watching Malia through that overlooked the courtyard, was covered with plywood at the time of her alleged disappearance. Even if Sahara wanted to keep an eye on her daughter through the window while she was inside making food for her sleeping, sweeping, video gaming boyfriend, she couldn't have because she doesn't have laser vision. In comments on this video interview, a woman noted that after asking around, no one could say that they'd so much as seen Malia since the 20th. That's two full days prior to her being reported missing. If you are in Texas, you've probably heard of the Malia Davis case which means you've probably heard of the name Quinnell X. He's an activist in the area who will sometimes represent families, essentially as a spokesperson. However, after meeting with Sahara and Travion, he quickly decided that he would not be representing them. According to KPRC, he said that their stories didn't pass the smell test and that the living conditions in their apartment were very rough for a child. Quinnell X also spoke with Fox 26 and added that the day Malia was reported missing, in the early hours, a little after midnight, both Sahara and Travion had gone to the local Fast and Easy, which is basically a larger-than-average gas station. But Malia wasn't with them. So either they had left Malia at home in the middle of the night to go to the gas station for who knows what— or something happened to Malia at least nine hours prior to when they said it had. With the body in the bayou still not formally identified and seemingly no movement in her case, neighbors at the apartment complex decided to gain access to Sahara and Travion's apartment and started filming. I'll post the link to it in Malia's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. It's been uploaded by Injustice Investigations News Media 7, but let me summarize it for you. 
There is next to nothing in this apartment. I mean, there's some crap lying around, but as far as chairs, tables, beds, etc., there was a dilapidated couch facing a wall, a bed, and a toddler bed, and that was pretty much it. What was in the apartment was a wreck. There was a full-on interior door that looked like it had been ripped off. Doors don't just accidentally fall off. Inside the fridge, there were four things. An old bowl of something orange, which was now covered in mold, a bottle of ranch, a can of something, and a small tub of something else. If Sahara was making food, I don't know what she could have been making. There was little to nothing there, and there was shit sitting on top of the stove in a pot in the middle of the floor. In what looks to have been Malia's room, there was a small pink toddler bed just randomly placed in the middle of the room with absolutely no bedding on it. There was also a black kitchen trash can in the middle of it. And remember those blue shoes Travion's mom mentioned Malia wearing the day she went missing? There was a pair of blue toddler sneakers still inside the apartment. Later that night, a vigil was held at the apartment complex. Sahara's mom, Malia's biological grandmother, was there and spoke with ABC 13. During the interview, she let everyone know that just prior to the vigil, she'd been told that the child's body found in the bayou was, in fact, the body of her granddaughter, Malia Bass. While the identification had been established, they still didn't know her cause of death. Malia's grandmother talked about all the things her tootie liked. That was her nickname for Malia. She liked Baby Shark and Minnie Mouse, and she talked about how she'd FaceTime Malia every single day from Arkansas. The way she spoke about Malia was beautiful, and you could tell how much love there was between the two of them, and this interview is honestly one I admittedly cried watching. Malia's grandmother had just gotten down to Texas following the news and presumed recovery of Malia's body and acknowledged that the Houston Police Department was working extremely hard to get justice for her granddaughter, a much different tune than Sahara and Travion were singing. She ended her interview with some interesting advice. She said to watch your children and not leave them alone. But then she mentions relationships, specifically stepdads, saying to be careful that it's hard when you don't really know a person. It sounded like maybe she had her own suspicions. Sahara and Travion did not attend Malia's vigil. A week after Malia's body was formally identified, Fox 26 was able to speak with her biological father, Octavius. This was the first time anyone had heard from him. He told the outlet that he only found out Malia was missing because a detective called him while he was at work. He hadn't so much as gotten a text or a phone call from Sahara about what was going on. But according to Octavius, Sahara told the detective that she had. He says he'd tried to get a hold of Sahara since the first call from the detective, but that all of his attempts went unanswered. The following day, ABC 13 was also able to interview Octavius, and this time, some new information came to light. In this interview, he says that when the detective called, he asked if Malia was with him, three and a half hours away in Dallas. When Octavius said no, he was informed that his daughter had been missing since 7 a.m., 
So now we have 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and 9.30 a.m. on the morning of the 22nd. Add in locals who say that they hadn't seen Malia since the 20th, and we have a problem. Octavius added that just one day prior to Malia going missing, on August 21st, he'd reach out to Malia's grandmother, Sahara's mom, to see if Malia could come up to Dallas and spend time with him like she had the previous summer. I wondered why in the flat earth he'd be calling Sahara's mother to see about getting his daughter for some time, but it turns out Sahara and her mother essentially shared Malia. Sahara hadn't been in Texas long, and prior to her moving down there, several commenters online have alluded to Malia having spent weeks or months at a time with her grandmother. Another couple of days went by with no real updates on what was going on with Malia's case until KHOU had a little talk with Tim Miller. Tim Miller is the guy at Texas EquiSearch, one of the most respected, if not the most respected, search and rescue teams in the country. He told the outlet that police were probably close to knowing what happened. He noted that they did not find Malia's toy bag, seeming to reference that pillowcase Travion says he gave her, but does say that there's a protected area at the moment and that he plans to head over there and look for evidence. On September 4th, 2020, Malia Tootie Bass was laid to rest, but not in Houston where she lived. She was laid to rest in Dallas. According to Fox 26, neither Sahara nor Travion decided to show up, regardless of the fact that they had both been invited by Octavius. On September 26, more than a month after Malia was found in the bayou, a justice walk was held. Someone needed to answer for what they'd done to Malia, even if no one knew exactly what that was. There hadn't been any real updates on what was going on behind the scenes of Malia's investigation, but the silence was almost a hint. The police weren't out asking for the public's help. They weren't asking for tips, and Sahara and Travion weren't the ones begging for justice. But justice was about to come raining down. A week and a half after that walk, it finally happened. 20-year-old Sahara and 21-year-old Travion were both charged in connection to Malia's death, tampering with evidence of a human corpse and injury to child. And while those charges don't seem tough enough, the injury to a child charge comes with the possibility of six months to life in prison. And with their injury to a child possibly resulting in the death of said child, I'd venture to say that if convicted, they're looking at the long end of those sentencing guidelines. Sahara and Travion's booking photos are some of the most haunting I have ever seen. Well, at least one of them. If you're a member of really any true crime Facebook groups, you've probably seen their mugshots even if you didn't click on the article. They have been shared over and over again because of how bizarre they are. Travion has an oh fuck look on his face and Sahara is beaming. I'm talking looking happier than she's ever been, having the time of her life, grinning ear to ear after being charged in connection to her own daughter's death. With the news of the arrest, the results of Malia's autopsy were finally released and they were horrible. 
According to ABC 13, she had extensive superficial blunt force trauma all over her body in the form of loop-shaped bruises. The medical examiner thinks that she was either beaten with a cord-like object or a hanger. Along with the extensive bruising all over her body, Malia's left forearm was broken. Now, remember those community members who said they hadn't seen Malia since the 20th? Well, the CCTV footage pulled by the police department kind of backs that up. The last time Malia was seen anywhere was at 12.40 a.m. on the 20th, yet again just after midnight, as if they had some kind of late-night schedule. KHOU reports that the medical examiner estimates Malia had been dead for about two days before she was found, again going back to the 20th or the 21st. ABC 13 was able to get a hold of some court documents which revealed that Travion was the one who started talking. Travion told police that Sahara had beaten Malia with a hairbrush on the night of the 20th. According to him, she did it because Malia was crying and wouldn't go to sleep. But that's not all. After beating two-year-old Malia with a hairbrush, he says they put her into a broom closet in the apartment naked. He claims that the next morning, the morning of the 21st, they woke up to find Malia dead. And while that's definitely a story and those are all words, Malia's injuries didn't seem consistent with a hairbrush and her forearm was broken. Also, why wasn't she wearing clothes? His story doesn't seem to explain much. According to KHOU, Travion went on to say that later that day at 11 p.m., he put her body into a storm drain at their apartment complex. And wouldn't you know, there was CCTV footage to back that part of his story up. Police caught Travion on CCTV footage taking a trash can out of their apartment and tipping whatever was in it into the storm drain. Malia was put in the sewer. And thinking back to that video inside their apartment, there was an empty black trash can in the middle of Malia's room. Travion told investigators that Malia's body was put in the trash can because he couldn't bring himself to dispose of her body. Who knows how long Malia's body was in that broom closet or trash can if they found her dead the morning of the 21st and put her into the sewer at 11 p.m. that night. They then waited another 10 and a half hours to come up with a story, a bad one at that, call 911 and throw on the self-serving theatrics for the cameras. Sahara and Travion had set off alarm bells for damn near everyone involved in the search for Malia since day one. According to Fox 26, the day they found Malia's body, Sahara was asking a victim's advocate at Crime Stoppers Houston about victim compensation. Most people don't even know about victim compensation, but Sahara was asking for it at the scene of her daughter's body's recovery. At this point, the advocate was getting suspicious, so he decided to look up their criminal records. Sahara didn't have one, but Travion, on the other hand, did. Travion was actually on probation for armed robbery when he put Malia's body into a storm drain in the middle of the night and hit up a gas station a couple hours later. According to Fox 26, the advocate found five convictions for Travion between 2017 and 2020. Regardless of those convictions, Travion's probation was never revoked. 
Travion should have been in jail at the time of Malia's death, but the system failed her miserably. Sahara and Travion talked an endless amount of shit about the Houston Police Department's efforts to find Malia, all the while knowing what they were going to find if they ever found her. And while Travion spouted off about that canine who passed out searching for who he referred to as his baby in the middle of August in Texas, he failed to mention that he and Sahara had actively opposed the use of a scent tracking dog. Yeah, that little detail was included in a report obtained by KHOU. Sahara and Travion are still awaiting trial, and in the meantime, Travion is staying true to himself by racking up even more charges in jail. On March 4th of this year, he was charged with felony assault of a public servant. As Malia's case unfolds, new details are released and the trial for justice Malia deserves gets closer. I will be sure to update you. For all photos pertaining to Malia's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern where we go live and talk about her case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case and a bonus episode a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Mm -hmm.